and it's Halloween time. Well, not quite, but it's October. And so, that being said, I'm switching over to the supernatural and spooky characters. Uh, surprisingly, most of these, or not surprisingly, most of these are from DC. Marvel has some, and I will do some Marvel characters, but the next couple episodes for the rest of this month are going to be double features, so I'll be doing two characters each episode. Uh, so, let's kick it off. And I'm back. So, uh, episode 10 of Comic Obscura. I'm your host, Tony. This week, I'm talking about two eventual members of Justice League Dark. So we're doing DC characters, and it's Swamp Thing and Black Orchid. Uh, Swamp Thing may be not as obscure as a lot of the other characters I've done before, but he's obscure enough. Uh, so with Swamp Thing, he was created by writer Lynn Wayne and artist Bernie Wrightson, and, they, and he first appeared in House of Secrets number 92 in July 1971. Uh, as, as a standalone story set in the early 20th century, writer Len Wayne had come up with the creature with no name, just referring to him as that swamp thing I'm working on, and eventually that name stuck. Uh, while artist Bernie Wrightson made the final design based off a sketch by Wayne. Wayne and Wrightson worked on the first 10 issues of the solo series together, then passed on to pass it on to writer David McElhinney and Gary Conway, and later artists Nestor Redondo and Fred Carrillo. Uh, this, era, this era mostly saw Swamp Thing hunting the men responsible for his wife's murder and his transformation. Uh, he was scientist Alec Collin, and I forget his wife's name, but she's not important. I mean, she was the driving force of the character for a while because he wanted revenge for her murder and his transformation, but... There have been, the character has been uh, kind of revamped a couple of times with his origin story changing. So in the long run, it's not important what his wife's name is because that kind of becomes, you know, that gets switched around. I mean, obviously her last name is Holland. I just forget her first name. Susie, I think. Anyway, in, in 1982, DC revived the Swamp Thing series after the summer release of Wes Craven's Swamp Thing film. Um, from of that same year and I guess it was the idea was to that the first one at least because there were two uh was successful enough and garnered enough attention where they're like hey better bring that comic back maybe we can uh ride this roller coaster uh titled the saga the revised comic was retitled the saga of Swamp Thing and was written by Martin Pasco. After pa after Pasco's arch, the Pasco. I kept. I almost. I wanted to say pasta for some reason. I think I'm just hungry. Uh, the title after Pasco, the title was passed on to Alan Moore, supposedly, and I haven't found it yet. I haven't read it yet, but from uh, my research, apparently Alan Moore's run with Swamp Thing is by far the best. I mean, and, and, yeah, I know. Almost every episode I'm talking about some comic that I'm trying to hunt down. But, hey, that's kind of how it is with, with the older ones. You gotta, you know, you gotta hunt. Um, I can probably find it on, find it on Amazon. But uh, once I do, I'm gonna read it. Uh, but supposedly his run was the best. Uh, Moore was given free reign to revamp the series how he saw fit. And he started with the character's origin, making him a real monster instead of a human who got turned into a monster. And he ditches a lot of the supporting cast that was introduced by Pasco. The man, Alec Holland, whom was believed to be Swamp Thing, apparently died with his wife, and his memories and mind were absorbed by the nearby swamp vegetation uh, to form the Swamp Thing, hence why the creature believed it was Holland. So it turned out that uh, there's a kind of, I guess, like a, a living hive mind of trees 
called uh, the Parliament of Trees or the Green. And it kind of creates a forest swamp protector, like a protector of plant life, basically. And uh, it, it basically just absorbed Holland because I think during the attempt to escape the murder, he fell into the swamp and died in there. And they were just like, well, we'll just absorb this guy. Uh, so Moore's run went on to reveal there had been like dozens of other swamp things since the dawn of humanity and had been defenders of the Parliament of Trees or the Green. And apparently the, and the Green connects to all plant life on Earth. So basically all plant life uh, all plant life on Earth has like this hive mind network of sentient vegetation or something like that from what I'm gathering. And Swamp Thing was like their uh, superhuman plant guardian. Uh, Swamp Thing discovers the truth of his origins eventually and hunts down the man responsible for the real Holland's death. And then goes, and after that, I guess he's just like, well, I guess I'm not really Holland, but he's Venge, so I'll go to Louisiana, hide out in the swamps there, and just protect trees. Over the course of Swamp Thing's adventures, he's encountered uh, a lot of other DC characters, because initially he was just vaguely in the DC universe. And so he met uh, other characters like Etrigan the Demon, uh, Deadman, the Spectre, Phantom Stranger, Batman. Uh, he also had an adventure where he encountered Superman, who was exposed to some kind of Kryptonian plant that was like driving him mad and like made, made him go berserk. And it basically, it basically gave him like this alien fever that was causing him to like burn up his powers and his life force or something. Anyway, Swamp Thing helped him out and used his plant powers to to heal him or find a way to cure him or something. Uh, he's also run into Constantine and he's become, more recently become a member of the Justice League Dark. With Moore, his, he kind of started a trend of mining uh, minor characters from the DC universe and putting them and kind of finding a use for them and his stories with Swamp Thing. Uh, something that another very talented writer for DC uh, continued, Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman? I, I never know if I'm saying that right. I'm going to say Gaiman. Anyway, so Neil Gaiman also picked up on this trend uh, and this kind of their their kind of writing led to the creation of DC's uh, Vertigo, Vertigo line of uh, adult horror, suspense, supernatural comics. Uh, they weren't all like I guess super. Well, most of most of the Vertigo comics I've seen or read have been like supernatural kind of uh, mystery horror stories. But the, the the main idea is that they're like the the more adult line of comics, which include uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Hellblazer, and of course Swamp Thing. So in 1994, the comic had a four-issue arc led by Grant Morrison and Mark Millar. Millar. I, another name that I, it seems simple enough, but I, I always wonder if it's Miller. Well, it's M-I-L-L-A-R. So I'm going to say Millar. Anyway, those two <laughs> took over Swamp Thing. And uh, later after that, uh, Swamp Thing's Swamp Thing plays a major role in the Brightest Day storyline from a few years back, which was was the the long prophecy prophesied uh, war with the Lantern Corps, where it was uh well for, well it it started with Darkest Night, which if you know the Green Lantern ring chant mantra whatever, uh, they always mention you know in Brightest Day and Darkest Night. Blah, 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 escape my side, yada, yada. So uh, they actually made a storyline around that where, you know, Black Lanterns... Well, first it was revealed that there was uh, lanterns that embodied the entire color spectrum. And the black ones were like the, the way, way evil ones. And then there was the white lanterns that no one knew where they were, or how to get one of those rings or whatever. And Swamp Thing played a major role in that. I don't remember how that wrapped up. I started out liking that whole arc, but then like, I don't know, it got really 
I don't know, it got kind of boring towards the middle. So I kind of, I kind of left it alone. And then later looked it up online to see how that whole thing wrapped up. And it was really confusing and, and kind of convoluted. And like the, the beginning seemed it like a, it was like a cool idea. But then the end, like when it, when it all wrapped up from what I remember, it was like, well, what's the whole point of that to begin with? It seemed very arbitrary, but I don't know. With, uh, some people kind of say the same thing about, uh, Marvel Civil War where it's just like well it started out great and then the end was just so like that so you know I don't know comics they always a lot of them start out great with these big storylines and then by the middle of it, you're just like why do I care about this anymore um not everyone thinks that that's just me I guess but um anyway so moving along with uh Swamp Thing so the 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 mythical monster version uh seems to be the one that kind of had the staying power uh not the you know i was a man who got turned to a swamp thing monster but the one who's kind of like a an urban legend uh plant protector that that whole thing kind of made a longer run of it so you can thank alan moore grant morrison and mark millar for that the Wes Craven movie, at least the first one from 82, did have some moderate success. And then there was a sequel, an unfortunate sequel, The Return of Swamp Thing in 89, which, you know, obviously from my tone of voice, well, I'm laughing, but uh, it, it had a lot, lot, lot less success. Um, I do remember the first one being... Um, relatively good and this is like god 80 what 82 so oh man you know what now that i'm thinking about it i might be thinking about the the second movie no it's the first one yeah i've, I've seen well i've seen them both but the one i'm i'm remembering at the moment is the first one i thought for a second it was the second one because i was like well i might have seen the second one by the time i was old enough to comprehend speech and and visual and, and visuals together i'm pretty sure they were both out and i i remember seeing it on like late night tv so i'm pretty sure it was the first one because i don't see why anyone would bother getting the rights to the second one to put on tv at all uh anyway so there's the two movies and uh he also made an appearance in the animated justice league dark movie as well as the upcoming that's right there's the upcoming live action TV show for the DC streaming service. And then that should be out, uh, I believe, I'm, well, I believe, I know it's next year, but I think it's uh, summer of next year, summer or around this time next year. So that being said, I won't be doing a, a boot or reboot section for Swamp Thing. Uh, I will do what, like uh, I will, there is a, boot or reboot section this episode but it's it's gonna be on black orchid mostly so oh and then uh i almost forgot to mention there was also uh, apparently because this i did not know about or long forgot but apparently there was a nes and a game boy game for swamp thing back in 91 which i might look up because i'm kind of curious like what the hell did that look like i mean i'm not expecting much it's it's regular nintendo I'm expecting something that looks along the lines of the E.T. game or the or the Friday the 13th game for Nintendo, uh, which I, well, no, he's not obscure. Uh, anyway, so with, with that, uh, I'm going to move on to Black Orchid. So Black Orchid first appeared in Adventure Comics number 428 in July 1973. Uh, originally, her origin was left vague and she was more of a mysterious figure who was a master of disguise and had, you know, the generic superpowers of super strength, flight, and invulnerability, or partial invulnerability, at least to bullets, I guess. I, I think she could still have, like, I, I think she could be cut still <laughs> or drowned, but yeah, yeah, like, I think she's, like, she can fly and she was, like, a little bit stronger than your average person. So uh, the stories would unfold with her in disguise throughout most of the story and as a background character or like uh like they you know like the the bad guys would be discussing 
villainy and she be in the background as like one of the henchmen's girlfriends or something or like a a maid or a secretary or uh just someone who's seemingly of unimportance and it wouldn't be until the end where she would re- where she would reveal herself as black orchid stop the crime and then get away and then someone would usually find the person she was impersonating like tied up in a closet somewhere with the black orchid's calling card now this is the original black orchid she like swamp thing has been revamped a couple of times uh since her initial launch uh the original version was created by sheldon mayer meyer that mayer and tony de de zuniga uh other writers that took the reins teased the reader with different origins but never gave her a definitive one or even a, a, a whole name until that is until neil gaiman came along and took the title uh previously she had become backup feature in issues of the phantom stranger which is a character I probably do need to do an episode on. Yeah, I can squeeze him in. So yeah, I might do, like I said in the intro, the next couple episodes are gonna be double episodes. Depending on where I squeeze in the Phantom Stranger, there could be an episode where I do three characters, including him. It just depends. But uh, yeah, he'll be in there. I'll do I'll do Phantom Stranger. But uh, she popped up in his comic as a backup feature in issues number 31 to 32, 35 to 36, and 38 to 41. And this was during 1974 through 76. Occasionally, she made cameos in other titles such as Blue Devil Annual number one, Deadshot number one, and the 12th issue limited series Crisis on Infinite Earths. In the Blue Devil Annual issue, she had two origins tees and as stories told by uh, the characters Madame Xanadu and the Phantom Stranger. In Xanadu's version of her origin, it was uh, it was told as a parody of Daredevil's origin from Marvel, while Phantom Stranger's version parody spider-man's origin which seems strange i kind of like to see that issue seems it, it seems interesting that i mean dc and marvel have a history of doing stuff like this but um it for a character as well, i want to say unpopular but that just didn't seem like a big draw it seemed weird that they would do it or maybe i guess that's why because they're like don't pay attention to this let's just have some fun with it which usually it's where the more interesting stories come from when they're just like, you know what, let's just, let's just see, let's just roll with it. Let's just see what we can come up with. So that one, that seems like an interesting, sto- uh, interesting story that I kind of wish I could find. I might find it in, like, I think my, the, the comic shop near me, there's actually a couple, but the one that I go to, they have like a, a pretty big selection of like older stuff, like just back issues. Cause I was, I was really surprised that they had so many. There was a, there was an issue of a comic from DC I was looking for called Hitman, which I think I talked about in an earlier episode. And they didn't have, they had just about every other issue, but the one I was looking for. So that sucked, but I was surprised that they had so many. They also had a good, bit of original quantum and woody issues i would have like i bought two and i would have bought more but um i'm kind of waiting for the next three comic day so when the uh, they do price cuts so i can grab up a couple of the original ones but anyway i'm getting off topic so uh the neil the neil gaiman version was another revitalization 1988 illustrated by dave uh, mckean in this miniseries the character was fleshed out with a background and she was actually given a name, Susan Linda Thorne. In this version, she was killed by her husband and brought back as a human-plant hybrid by uh, an old crush of hers who was a scientist named Philip Sylvan. This I've read. A friend of mine let me borrow it, and it was, man, it, it was one of those comics where you read and you're like, whoa, this character is actually pretty cool. And then you go to find out that that's all there is. I mean, like, th- there was... As far as uh, continuations go, like this was it. It was just this mini series, and then she kind of got shelved again for a while, and then I think it wasn't until DC did uh, the the relaunch of their universe with their their new Fifty Two run that she came back. But this, but when she came back in the new Fifty Two, this was a different version than the Neil Gaiman version. So long story short, I'm disappointed that they didn't continue 
with that with the Neil Gaiman version, which is, in my opinion, the best version. And it's just weird that you know, they got him to revamp this character and he did a great job. And it's like, why would you throw all that out the window? Like, even for the new 52, you could have kept that same origin. A lot of the characters, when they when they relaunched the universe in the new 52, didn't change that much. So I don't see why they had to change her again. It's like, but I guess they didn't want to pay Neil Gaiman for his contributions I guess I don't know I would have it's like well that's it you did a good job on one for one bring one of our characters back to relevancy yeah we'll pay you so we can keep that train going but whatever um so if you can find that version I say do it and go read it it's excellent but I have to I I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil it in case anybody does go find it so instead I'm going to jump ahead to the new 52 which isn't much I mean uh she came back as a government agent for the uh for the Argus organization which I can never remember what that acronym stands for I can barely remember what the shield acronym actually stands for like strategic homeland intervention something with the d at the end I don't know division is that what it i don't know so yeah i'm not that into it it's like i've got all these things memorized but anyway she was an agent of argus and she got assigned to justice league dark by steve trevor who in this version of the universe is still alive or something her name is different too she was a ex-army private named alba garcia and that's all I know, because the new fifty-two, the new fifty-two kind of came and went, and Justice League Dark in the new fifty-two also kind of came and went while the new fifty-two, while the new fifty-two was still going on. Gra- I I grabbed volume one of Justice League Dark, and I was expecting, I guess I was expecting something kind of close to what they did with the Justice League Dark animated movie, but it was really, it was kind of a letdown. It was kind of the same letdown. I had from uh, the, uh, what are they called? The, there was a new run of Avengers comics where uh, Deadpool was basically leading a team. And that just wasn't that good. Same with the uh, Deadpool and the Merch for Money store uh, run of comics. That was, I mean, it was okay. That was better than the Avengers one, but not by much. Like, I think Deadpool... I think Deadpool worked better when he's solo or during brief team-ups, but giving him a team just seems like kind of a jump. Like, it'd be one thing if they kind of worked towards that, and they did do kind of a decent job kind of uh, setting it up. Like, well, they the, the comic starts out where he's already got the team, and then they kind of backtrack as far as like explaining how that came to be and it's it, it makes enough sense it wasn't like out of left field but it just seemed like i don't know it just it it just didn't seem like a good fit to me like i, I think i'm just too I, I think maybe i was just too, too used to deadpool running solo and then like running into random people in the marvel universe but then like him being on like a team he made well which yeah, I don't know. Something him as a leader just didn't seem. I think that's what it is. I think him as a him leading a team just seemed weird. It, it seemed kind of out of character, but at the same time, I could see him wanting to do that. So I don't know. I I, I might go back to that and, and take a look at it, like find some of the, find some of the volumes and reread it, because maybe my opinions changed by now. But initially, I was kind of like yeah, it was a little off putting. Blech. So back to Black Orchid. In total, there's been like four different incarnations of this character, but I'm not going to cover them all. In fact, that's it. That's that's as much as I'm going to cover because uh, otherwise this episode would go on too long. So let's get into the Buddha reboot section. So like I said, Swamp Thing is kind of set as far as him having a, a live action TV show coming up next year and he's already had two movies let's say one and a half because the other one wasn't that good so i think he's had he's still kind of obscure i think most people would if you said the name swamp thing they would kind of know what you meant but as far as like background on him i think he still counts as obscure and he's had he's popped up in a lot of dc cartoons besides the justice league dark animation so i don't think he really needs a reboot really per se like I think he's I think he's good where he's at and then like I say he's about to get a live action 
TV show, so I don't think he, he needs anything like that. So I'll do Black Orchid instead. And I would say she does need a reboot, or comic-wise, comic wise, not necessarily a reboot. I think they should just go back to uh, what Neil Gaiman set up and do and continue that. So that wouldn't technically be a reboot, I guess more of a relaunch, but still going from there. Other than that, I'd say you could do a TV show, but I would keep this far, far, far away from the CW. Like, do, do not make this a CW show. I And I can see, the thing about that is, I can see right away the temptation to make it a CW show because her story, her story could kind of, I could see where it could fit in to that, the CW DC universe, but if you put it there, it's gonna suck and it's not gonna be compelling. It's basically gonna be what it, uh, me and a me and a friend were talking about uh, CW shows and we're just like, yeah, it's basically just angsty teenage drama in costumes now. So it's basically like in CWs, that's basically what it's been. It's just like pretty teenagers or like twenty somethings who just like argue and have sex and stuff and except now they do it in costumes so like half of the like half of the show is them doing that and uh, as civilians and then the other half is them doing that dressed up in like halloween costume and that kind of stopped being entertaining at least to me that stopped being entertaining like two years ago or at least like uh I i'd say with the arrow season three is where it kind of started to drop off for me with the flash it was like season like halfway through season three is kind of where it started to fall off a little bit for me. I kind of never got into uh, the DC Legends of Tomorrow show. I gave it a chance and the the uh, pilot episode, like the, I think it was a two-parter episode, uh, two-parter kind of thing for the launch of that show. And it was just so dumb. Like, and the thing is, I kind of was interested in that story or, like, the idea of it, where it's, like, you know, they're time-traveling and they're trying to stop Vandal Savage, and then the next season, they met uh, characters from Justice Society. So, that, that it's a cool idea, but the their execution of it just got, oh, man, it is just so difficult to watch. So, yeah, just, yeah, don't... You can give Black Orchid a TV, so, a TV show, but do not put it on CW. Do not let CW make this show. I think with with her character she could because even though she's obscure i think with her character she could be, she would probably benefit a lot from dc's current i guess movement with their characters they've kind of been on the the, the female superhero bandwagon which isn't a bad thing that that's good more you know we need more of that but they've been focusing a lot on like their wonder woman sequel uh instead of doing a new superman movie they're talking doing a Supergirl movie. A lot of the, the female characters are getting a lot of episode attention on their TV, on their CW shows. Uh, Batwoman is going to show up for the yearly crossover event for their CW shows. And then she's getting her own series like that's already been set. Uh, the A picture of the costume's been out. It looks fine for TV. But that being said, it also looks like that kind of overly expensive Halloween costume you see sometimes. Like, I think it's mainly the cape that's kind of making it look that way. Like, the cape looks like a really thin see-through cloth as opposed to, like, a cape that you would expect. But it's it's whatever. It's fine. It's TV. So, yeah, with, with that being said, I think she could thrive. Uh, giving her a solo movie could be kind of like their new lead-in to a Justice League dark live-action movie kind of series because they they were gonna they were gonna let uh Guillermo del Toro uh it's hard to say I think he was going to do a Justice League dark movie for DC but then dropped out and then I think they they either had or almost had a replacement director but then like the whole project just kind of went dark ha 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 um and so there and there hasn't been much talk about that you know being a possibility anymore so with them being with them leaning on their female superheroes more i think if they gave her a movie and and i mean a solid movie like don't make this movie with the focus being setting up for a justice league dark movie but if you do it right 
you can it can be a lead into that because and, and I say that because she has like some ties to um, other characters. She's been part of the Justice League Dark, so I think that'd be a good way to that'd be a good way to kick it off, especially since they don't have Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck as Superman and Batman respectively anymore. Or at least that's what it sounds like right now. Like no one knows what Ben Affleck is doing. <laughs> he's he's he isn't Batman. He is Batman. I'm I'm pretty sure he's not Batman anymore. And it doesn't seem like there's anyone jumping. There's been some names thrown out, but it doesn't sound like anyone's jumping in to pick up those roles. And I honestly don't blame them. Like it it makes sense to me. I don't see why anyone would be like, oh, I want to be Batman next, or I want to be Superman next. It's just like eh, I don't know the way this franchise has been roller coastering. You know, it's just like eh, I'll leave that alone for a couple of years. I don't know where they left. Uh, the character of Black Orchid in the DCU as far as like the more recent stuff. So I think if you if you if you found a writer and gave them the source material to kind of look over, uh, namely Neil Gaiman's version, and let them kind of come up with something based on that, I think that'd be the way to go. Because there's not a whole lot of, like I said, this is an obscure character. And even though she's been revamped like four times, there's no as a current continuity goes, there's no big storylines or plots involving this character where you'd have to worry about fans being upset about some kind of change. So I think you could kind of give someone free range to be like, well, this is what the character is. Can you come up with a compelling way to retell that story? Like in a, in a movie form as opposed to comics. Um, I think the TV series would work if you stay committed to keeping it unique because like i said in the cw it would it would just be so generic and and angsty and, and whiny and just ugh, it'd be horrible so if you tie it to this but you could also like i said you could tie it to the swamp thing series or include characters like uh poison ivy they're because they're they're loosely connected like uh, i believe the scientists that brought Black Orchid back to life and Neil Gaiman's version was friends with uh, Alec Holland who became well sort of became the Swamp Thing and I think she knew Pamela Isley or he knew Pamela Isley but the, yeah the science science the science plant people all kind of knew each other and she knew at least one of them um, it doesn't have to be like a big cameo or anything. And it could be just one of those things to be like, hey, she exists in this cinematic universe. Or po referring to Poison Ivy, it's be like, hey, she, this is her before she became a supervillain. She exists in this, you know, universe. Just a mention of her name or something. It doesn't have to be an actual, like, visual cameo. And and, and then that's it, you know. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, a movie would be better, I think, though. Because, like I said, there's not a ton of material so you would, you could kind of do like a this is her origin story this is this is how she came to be this is her resolving her issues and then the next movie is about either another Justice League Dark member or it's her meeting a, an already formed team and then like at the end as a stinger the next couple of movies are just the origins of those guys and then you eventually do a Justice League Dark movie or you could just have her meet Swamp Thing at the end or because that would actually kind of make sense if she eventually met, if she, at the end of her movie, she met Swamp Thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. So with a movie, it should be kind of covering the, the like a murder mystery. Because in the Neil Gaiman version, when she comes back, she's trying to kind of piece together what happened after she's brought back as a plant hybrid. And I think that should kind of be your story, except the audience kind of discovers everything along with her. So you can you can kind of start it off with either a glimpse of the murder and we don't know really what happened or we just start with her waking up and then from there kind of like uh oh good example like the way they did the character Alice in the first Resident Evil live action movie where you kind of start the story with her waking up and she's like just and then the audience the audience is kind of like going on this journey with her she wakes up she doesn't have any memory she's wandering around this big spooky empty house and suddenly you know these umbrella 
troopers bust in and she's like, what's going on? We're like, well, yeah, what the hell's going on? I think it should kind of play out like that where it's just like, you know, we as the audience are kind of right alongside her. Like what is going on? She's like, I guess you could have the doctor, uh, Sylvan, the guy who brings her back. He could be there, but the thing about that is it would kind of kill the mystery if he was just there to explain what happened. So it could be she's in a secret room and she wakes up and Sylvan's dead and she kind of has to figure it out on her own. And based on her vague memory, she goes searching around. And uh, a, a good connection to Swamp Thing could be that uh, her husband worked for the company that killed Alec Holland, who was an acquaintance of Dr. Sylvan who resurrected Susan Thorne, who became Black Orchid. And Holland, of course, is the consciousness that became uh, Swamp Thing. And I think that would be as much as a connection as you need. And with, I guess you could kind of connect it to the, the Swamp Thing TV show, but I don't think that's necessary. And if you did a Justice League Dark movie, she could actually kind of play out as the de facto swamp thing like instead of because i don't think his tv show would connect is going to be connected to anything i think it's supposed to be standalone anyway so with her having kind of similar plant-based powers she could kind of be the swamp thing of the team without using swamp thing which i think would still work fine she's maybe not as like physically strong but given that it's like you know a team of mostly magical people it, it doesn't seem like having a a big brawler is completely necessary but you know whatever uh i think there's been other members that are about as strong if not like etric and the demon i think was part of the justice league dark before and he's pretty freaking strong so you could always throw him in yeah so um like i said you could do this kind of murder mystery style which i think would be pretty cool and you could also kind of dip into uh, her original version where she's like a master of disguise and this this would kind of I don't I don't know if you could do the murder mystery thing and this so I guess like a, a second version of the story could be kind of like a uh, a mission impossible kind of thing where she she is aware of how like that she died and she was brought back and she's basically out for revenge and trying to sabotage the company that was behind it well, her husband sabotaged the company her husband works for uh, after she finds out, well, one, it was her husband who killed her, and two, the company he works for also killed uh, another scientist, Holland, and his wife, and they're just dirty. So she's like, well, I'll take him down and them down. And you can kind of play up that whole Master Disguise thing and make it like a sort of a spy movie not really like espionage i don't know what you would call it um and her costume in either version could be just like she basically wears normal clothes but you kind of play up the 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 purple lavender and black color scheme that she has or you could have it be like as the movie progresses she she kind of like learns about her her uh plant powers and the costume could be more of like an organic armor that kind of manifests as like a protective reflex or or no costume at all it kind of depends on what you're going for you could give it to maybe james wan but i don't know if it's it's not really because i mean he's doing aquaman but i think he's kind of i think he, he could still kind of play with his horror talents a little bit in there because you know there's monster sea creatures in there and I, I think he's just good i think he's good at suspense so i think that's that's more like it's uh it's a super hit like aquaman it's not quite the kind of movies he's done before but i think um he can still he can still kind of uh add that sense of suspense and give it some weight whereas as opposed to it just being like a full-on just action blockbuster kind of movie which i think that'll still be in there so i, w I would say maybe him or give it to patty jenkins even though I, i'm pretty sure she's probably got her hands full doing wonder woman 2 um hmm i don't know hmm I, I was trying to think of like some other director that could fit that either wasn't working that wasn't working for marvel um they don't and i know they don't have them all but it's just you know a lot of the good ones just like well they've already kind of been there yeah or maybe just find like a an up-and-coming director it, it kind of doesn't matter and as a matter of fact it'd probably be better to to give this to um 
some fresh blood, like director, writer, like just get some fresh talent in there and, and kind of let them do something creative with it. But I think I think one of the major kind of themes and plot points of it is just like her growth. Like I like well, okay, not her well, her growth, but like uh the idea that she's basically gone from being a human to like a like a human plant demigod is is kind of interesting to see how that kind of changes her. So she initially, like, so basically what I'm saying is, like, the initially she comes back and she still, she looks human, she feels human, and she just wants to, you know, uncover the mystery of her murder and, and you know, make sure the people responsible are, are brought into justice. But in the course of unraveling this mystery and finding out about her powers, she kind of, she gains confidence in herself and she's kind of a different person in that regard. But then she also kind of gets... I guess the power kind of it, it would be cool to see how that new this newfound power affects her and changes her where it's like well at first I was on a mission of justice now that I've got this power I'm I'm she's growing I say I'm but like well I'm, I'm speaking uh, on the character but uh, anyway so she she she's kind of becoming more reckless as her powers start to manifest more and I guess she gets kind of drunk on that power and her quest for justice becomes more of a quest of revenge. And so by the end of the movie, the question is, well, is she a, a, kind, a mostly kind-hearted human person looking for justice? Or is she now like a vengeful, super metahuman demigod who's just like, well, I'm just going to walk into that place where my murderer is, kill him, and kill everyone who's connected to him. Like, I think that would be kind of the 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 arc for the character it's just like well at the end what happens like will she try to return to having like a, a normal life or will she just embrace this power and just kind of go off the rails and i think at the end she should i think at the end she should lose control a bit and kill someone and then kind of come back to her senses and then make sure that at least one of the people responsible goes to jail alive but then I think after that, instead of trying to rebuild a normal life, she kind of does what Swamp Thing does and just kind of becomes a, and just kind of finds a place to hide out and just kind of disappears. Since everyone already thinks she's dead, she's like, well, why come back? And I think that's how you set up your sting at the end, like your post credit sting, where someone from uh, the Justice League Dark Team shows up to find her and they're like, hey, we're all kind of you know weirdo loners with no with kind of no real place in the world except that we know about you know these strange corners of the universe of, of the world that no one like normal people don't notice and we you know we kind of protect normal people from this weirdo this weird stuff and we think you would fit in with us and i think i'd almost say it should probably be constantine but Knowing his character, I, I don't think he would be the one to, to necessarily go around recruiting people. So maybe Zatanna would be a better fit. Speaking of Zatanna, I don't know if... Because before I was talking about how, you know, they, this could lead into either a justly dark movie or individual movies for the, the other team members. But I don't think Zatanna should have her own movie. Not that I, you know, this, is, this isn't necessarily like a... A, a stab at that character it's just that uh she's one of those characters that i just don't think is there's there's enough to her to kind of support an entire movie by herself so i mean she could still be the the person at the end for the the post credit scene or whatever but i don't think we give her a movie <laughs> i mean this episode isn't about her anyway but i'm just saying for the record like don't don't, uh, don't give zatano a movie um, so I guess that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Like do 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 like a, a murder mystery kind of thing where we where you know the audience and the main character are kind of on the same page as far as knowing what's going on and you learn it as the story progresses, or you can make it kind of a a like a murder like a I keep saying murder mystery like a uh, Mission Impossible kind of espionage thriller thing even though she's never a spy like uh, what I mean by I guess that one would lean on like you you either do a version based on uh the Neil Gaiman run or you do a version based on the original run where who she is and where she's from 
is left kind of vague and we kind of learn snippets of her past through the story so you kind of do a blend of which which would i guess would probably be best to do a blend of the neil gaiman run taking elements of her initial run and putting that together i think that that might make something cool but that's that's kind of it i don't really have much for that character because i really like the neil gaiman run and that's that's kind of what i'd like to see but i feel like this like i said this character is obscure enough and there's there's enough material to draw from but not enough to where anything has to be set in stone so honestly i would be up for seeing someone do something new with the character as long as it's interesting and creative like that's that's the main idea here i think this character has potential that's my take on that it's time to wrap things up uh i guess i'll do a quick editor section okay so before i go just wanted to drop a few things it's probably not probably not big news by now i'm pretty sure everybody most everybody who cares already knows that uh Iron Fist got canceled by Netflix, so there won't be a season three. I don't have the official statement from them, but basically they were saying that the Immortal Iron Fist could live, could or will live on. And I'm assuming they what they mean by that is he'll pop up in like Luke Cage season three or wait season three? yeah season Luke Cage season three or one of the other shows because they're still doing um I think this week actually. Season three of Daredevil comes out. They've already said that they're doing that. They are making a season three of Jessica Jones and a season three of Luke Cage. So he could pop up in those shows, which I think is very likely, at least in the Luke Cage show. There's a new trailer out for the M Night Shambalala <laughs> movie, uh, Shambil Sham Shamalamalon, um, Mr. for Mr. Glass, um. When they first announced this, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And then when they showed that first teaser trailer, I was like, all right, this seems, all right, it's kind of interesting. But with the full trailer, I feel like I'm less interested in this now. It feels like now that now that I'm seeing a full trailer, it's it kind of feels like too little too late. Like, and that's not to say it was because I liked uh, I liked I liked his last movie with uh, McAvoy uh, split that that was enjoyable but now that it's connected to the unbreakable universe it which wasn't which was still kind of interesting at first but now like i said with the full trailer i'm just kind of like well am i do i really care that much and i'm kind of like no i mean i'll i think i'll end up seeing this movie it's just that like i guess that initial like oh you know, like that, that kind of like oh, that you know, after that reveal, I was kind of like I was like kind of up for it. Now I'm just kind of like, hey, you know, I, I guess I. <laughs> it's kind of like my enthusiasm has waned a lot more than I thought it would by the time the you know this trailer came out. So I guess we'll see. When when I, I forget what the release date is, but I'll probably see it. And oh, uh, another movie news. So uh, I think last episode I talked about how James Gunn was being looked at or considered for uh suicide two suicide squad two for dc um and that's for director i believe now he's officially writing the script for suicide squad two and they're trying to uh talk him into directing it as well and former wrestler actor dave batista who plays um who plays uh drax in guardians of the galaxy has talked about uh, jumping ship to follow Gun. He's he's up for being in Suicide Squad too. And someone made a and it was kind of like speculating like well who could he play? And some people dropped uh, Solomon Grundy. Uh, I believe there was an article where someone was like well he could do uh, King Shark. And then someone did like a a fan art of him as Bane. And I think that's the one. I think that's, that's like, especially if you're still trying to shoehorn in Batman into this somehow, even though we don't have Affleck anymore, as far as I know, that would still be cool. Like, and then Bane would make a good villain for the Suicide Squad to go up against, because he could be, potentially, these guys could beat Bane, like, working together. Like, Batman, and then that's the thing, like, I know Bane is, like, top-tier Batman villain, but Batman can take Bane solo. This is, we're talking about a group of people who individually wouldn't stand one 
speck of a chance against Bane, but together they might actually at least be able to stop his, you know, evil plan or whatever. And I think Dave Bautista could do a good Bane. Because, one, most of it wouldn't have to be CGI to begin with until, you know, he started juicing up on Venom and then, you know, starts bulking up or whatever. But I think he's proven that, one, he can do... He he's he can do he's got a, he's got decent range as an actor more than you would think for someone who's a, a pro wrestler to start, but I think his his role in Guardians as Drax has shown that he can do uh humor he can do a little serious and he can definitely do menacing villain if you've seen uh the the last. Uh, Mission Impossible movie. Why did that? I said Mission Impossible earlier, but like the, for some reason the name slipped me. But yeah, or am I thinking James Bond? I don't remember. Was it James Bond? Oh boy, they're bleeding together. Uh, I want to say James Bond, the uh, the Spectre one. Yeah, yeah, James Bond. So, <laughs> oh man, I, I know that kind of feels like it. it totally messed up the endorsement but it it was good trust me like i i know he was good even the, the movie around him wasn't that endearing but the character he played was 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 good so yeah i i think there's a couple of people he could play but if uh they suddenly were like hey you know what we'll take dave batista on and he'll be paid like i wouldn't be against that at all uh yeah that's it yeah like i said it was a, it was a quick little editor section so that's the show for this week uh come back next week for more dc weirdos and at least one marvel character <laughs> i mean probably more than one because I'll, I'll try to do like one dc one marvel if i'm gonna do a, a two character episode but i found a lot more uh, interesting and obscure DC supernatural spooky weirdos than I have for Marvel. But, you know, I know there are some, so I'll just have to dig deeper, I guess. And as always, I'd like to thank John Bartman for our intro theme. And you can also email the show at comicobscurapod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. In the words of LeVar Burton, I'll see you next time. Oh, man, that would have been really great if I had a, a clip from the reading rainbow song but i don't and it's copyrighted so i don't want to get sued